Welcome to Horror Fixins. I hope you're ready to get your fix in. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are available. Wherever you're listening from, please rate and leave a comment. And if you're watching the video version on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment and tell me what you think. I thank you for being here, and now let's get into some news. Phasmophobia got a pretty big um, update. It's Phasmophobia got a pretty big update. There's a new medium-sized map called the Maple Lodge Campsite. And if you haven't played it yet, there's like a surprise. So when you walk in, there's a bunch of tents you can explore, right? And then there's a cabin. And off to the left side, if you're facing the cabin, off to the left side of the cabin, there's a lake with a, lake with a dock. And for those who have played it, know the little Easter egg that's at the end of the dock. But if you haven't played it yet, please go to the end of the dock first. And you get a little, get a little surprise, a little nice little Easter egg. Um, there's also four new ghost types, which I'm gonna butcher these names, so bear with me. I think Anrio, uh, Anrio, the twins, <laughs> Obake and Raiju, right? And then there's the nightmare mode, which I don't understand because the game is already hard as hell to play, and this is coming from somebody who just started playing. So I, I can't go a game without getting murdered by the ghost. I have yet to win. But eventually, you're going to be calling me Dr. Winston. Some other changes uh, came into play. You have, like, the fingerprints disappear after 60 minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> the fingerprints of the ghosts disappear after 60 seconds. And then they fix the exploit where you could use a camera on a tripod to trick the ghost into thinking you were inside the house. So I know you probably, well, maybe not, but so Hulu is going to be getting the Hellraiser movie reboot, right? But HBO Max, they just announced that HBO Max will be getting the Hellraiser TV show, TV series. Clive Baker is going to be teaming up with David Gordon Green. You know, he's the director who brought us Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. They're going to be put on a TV series exclusive to HBO Max. Um, on the Vulture article, it says, and I quote, the show's reportedly a continuation of the, Hell- the Hellraiser mythos. Rather than a reboot or remake of the films, though, if you know enough to be afraid of Pinhead and the picture above, then you probably die right into the series without much of a problem. Now, I wonder... I, yeah, listen, I remember watching the first Hellraiser. I can't really remember the uh, ones that followed that, but I vividly remember watching the first one. And I remember watching it as a kid. My dad had put me onto it. And I'm thinking, I was thinking in my head the whole time, what in the hell is going on? Like, this demon, or well, back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, I didn't, like, relate BDSM and I just didn't know what the hell was going on. And I watched it recently as a, an, an adult, and I was like, yo, what was I looking at as a kid? But I'm excited for the series. I'm excited for the reboot, too. I wonder how, that, how, like, how that's going to play out, how the reboot is, if it's going to be, um, if they're going to, like, mimic the story of the original, or they're going to just come like, kind of take the elements of the first one. And then, because I think Clive Baker is also involved in the in the reboot, so I wonder if he's gonna just like put a new skin on the 
original story or if he's going to do something completely different with Hellraiser. That's all I have for the news. Both articles where I got my information from will be down below in the description. So on to what I watched this past week. Well, it's been like, what, two weeks since the last episode? But we're going to just do this past week. First one goes, <laughs> or first one is Somebody's Inside Your House. It released this year on Netflix. It's a teen slasher movie that has an interesting twist where the killer reveals the victim's dark secret before kill the, killing them with a mask of their own face. For example, in the movie, um, I'm not going to, uh, just in case you haven't seen it yet, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but for example, the killer shows a dark secret, re reveals a dark secret to the victim, right? And right before the victim is murdered, the killer shows up and they have a, uh, a mask of the victim's face. So it's kind of like the victim like looking at themselves before they die it's a starring sydney park she is also cindy from oceanside and the walking dead series the walking dead tv show um the movie has very like they have um there's like messages with throughout the movie there's a lot of some social commentary in there i honestly thought that there was this movie was going to be a lot more um gimmicky or comedic than what it was there was some i mean I, you know usually with t like teen slashers it just feels it doesn't feel like it takes it, they don't feel like they take themselves very serious and usually in teen slashers but this one felt felt like it was a, supposed to be a serious movie um it had some very serious tones there weren't much uh comedic relief so yeah on netflix check it out second one was invitation it's on tubi um kira and will a couple they get invited to a seemingly seemingly oh my goodness i can't talk they get invited to a seemingly innocent dinner party at will's ex-house the movie starts off as old friends and new ones casually catching up and enjoying themselves then you slowly start to see the tension building up until things go completely left now this one i i actually really enjoyed especially the ending it was like a um <clears throat> it's like throughout the whole movie right there's like this kind of like slow build of tension like with each scene each scene is kind of like the notch goes up 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 until there's this one specific scene where it's just like boom it kind of like pops and then from there to the end you're like on this mini roller coaster like rooting for some of the characters to get away so it's on 2b tv i think it was released in 2019 i could be wrong i'm pretty sure it's 2019 and the third one is horror noir this is on Shudder. It's a black anthology paying ode to the documentary titled Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. There is a lot of social commentary in this one. And I think, you know, I find that to be something common when it comes to black anthology horror um, movies. There's like a lot of anthology. There's, a, there's like a, they're trying to relay a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a lot of social commentary. 
there are they are trying to relay a lot of messages to its audience. Um, unfortunately, this movie it was like every episode was like a hit or miss. It felt um it felt like gimmicky in a way. There were six stories altogether. My two favorite ones was named uh Brand from Hell. Name is called Name Brand from Hell. It was about a struggling artist taking jobs from an unknown client, but those jobs came at a cost. I like that one. And then my second favorite was uh called Sundown. It was about a group of people campaigning in a small town and they realized that it's a sundown town, but the but it wasn't a sundown town. It wasn't considered a sundown town how we consider what sundown towns are. So I like uh I like the way they how they changed that term. I really enjoyed that. That's on Shutter, and I think that really also released this year as well. Now, for the juice of the show. If you have not seen Paranormal Activity, please stop listening because there will be spoilers. I don't want to ruin anything for you unless spoilers are your kink and you're into it. Now, released on October 29th, straight to Paramount Plus. By the way, there was like the lack of marketing for Paranormal Activity next to Ken was wild. Like, I didn't see anything about this movie anywhere except for on youtube by mistake like i happen to come across uh you know come across videos videos get uh, recommended to you and the first um trailer was the teaser it was like a teaser like a very vague trailer real quick gave you little glimpses but they gave they didn't give you a lot to go off of you just kind of got some glimpses of what was going on and then the week of the week that i think the week before the movie dropped it's either the week before or the week of you get you got a full trailer, but that's about it. I didn't see unless it's just me because I talked to other people and they was like, I didn't even know this movie was coming out. I could be tripping, but I there were the marketing. The marketing from this was just ugh. anyway, it came straight to Paramount Plus. It's the seventh installment of like one of the most popular found footage series to date. Directed by William Eubank and written by Christopher Landon. He also wrote uh, three other paranormal installments. He is uh, known for the Happy Death Day. He brought us Happy Death Day 1 and 2. He also brought us that uh, horror movie uh, Freaky with uh, Vin Rames. No, Vince Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Vin Rames. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> um, this movie star- starring Emily Badger as Margot. She's our main character. She's the one we're following. Ronald Buck as Chris. And Dan Lippert as Dale. He's our comic. He's our comedic relief. It wasn't cheesy or over the top. Some things he says gets a little chuck out. Chuck a little chuckle. <laughs> Some of the things that he says gets a little chuck out. Chuckle out. Oh my God, I cannot talk today. Some of the things that he says gets a little chuckle out of you. Anyway. The movie is a reboot to the franchise. So, if you can't remember how the previous stories went, I'll do a little recap. Um, before this movie, you had a cult or a witch's coven 
named the midwives who brainwashed their daughters into giving birth to a son and then forced them to give up their child so that a demon can possess them and take over his body. In the movies, the demon's name was referred to, the demon was referred to as Toby and the boy's name that he was supposed to, <laughs> yo, I cannot talk. Okay. And the boy that he was supposed to possess was named Hunter. Fast forward to Paranormal Activity Ghost Dimensions, which was the last installment of this of that story. Toby finally gets what he has been pining for after all these years, and that's to become a real boy. Now, we're moving on to the seventh film in the series, which is Paranormal Activity Next to Ken. It's still the found footage style, but uh, someone is actually, but, <laughs> oh my goodness, okay. It's still a found footage style of movie, but instead of someone actually finding the footage and we we're rewatching it, it's shot as a mockumentary. So uh, we follow Margot, Dale, and Chris as they travel to a rural Amish community to connect with Margot's family members because you know Margot she was given up by her mother as a baby, so she didn't know any of her blood relatives. So it became, you know, she was adopted. Sam, someone who she's supposed to be related to, reaches out to her. He did like a test of 23andMe. They ended up matching up. He reached out to her. So she wanted to go visit him, the rest of her family, and decided to document it. This movie is shot today, like, you know, modern times. It's shot around this time period. Uh, in the very good, the very beginning of the movie where... Margot and her crew are getting, um, I guess, leaving the airport to go to the village to meet up with uh, the rest of her family. There's a reference to COVID. The driver says he caught COVID five times and he's good. <laughs> so it lets us know that it is shot in between somewhere between, I'm, I'm assuming 2021, 2020, 2021. Um, where they're sitting in the living room at her family's house and one of the girls asked them if they have tiktok and you know tiktok has been popping for the past couple years um there's also a lot of tech you know they are filmmakers she's making a documentary she's mentioned she mentions it a couple times she states how she's done work for other people but she's never considered doing anything for herself uh you have drones, there's mics, there's full frame cameras, lights. You got multiple scenes that focus on the equipment as well. And it feels like it highlights it, it feels like it highlights that it's not only modern times, but it's I think it's because right now in this time, like all that stuff is pretty common day and age. A lot of us are constantly plugged in, you know, so we're most of us are familiar with technology iphones and cameras and lights and you know so on and so forth unlike this community that they're visiting they are pretty much off the grid they don't have phones so there's no way they don't have phones they don't get in front of cameras you know there's a moment where chris is explaining slow motion to some of the kids in the village and with me being a tech head i actually enjoyed these parts of the film you know, along with moments where 
uh, there are specific times in the movie where the uh, like a, there's like a grainy filter on the screen, and normally that happens when there's bad lighting or the lighting isn't or, or the camera the camera is struggling to get enough light into the sensor to get a clear picture. So, you know, the small details like that further let us know that this is supposed to be a documentary and not a movie with a huge production budget. So, you know, it kind of kept that found footage feel. You know, I love the setting of the movie. Normally, anything that has to do with a rural area, I'm all for it because there's bound to be some wild shit that, that's going down, you know, <laughs> somewhere in this area there's some kind of secret is happening or they got some kind of uh lair with something hidden and in in, in this case it was both <laughs> um i like how they also explored the contrast between the people of the village and the outsiders referring to Margot and her gang emily badger who played Margot had me she, listen okay so when the movie first started i was like okay i am I'm, I'm with this right because it's a, it's a new paranormal activity movie you have this character who has never met her blood family and so she goes to visit and you're you, you're wondering okay what's going to happen here like what was her real connection between her her mom and this village and so i was on board at first when it's when when it got to the scary parts and Margot had to perform like or you know Margot had to be scared and scream and whatnot it, it felt comedic more than anything like her her screams were not convincing her faces uh of fear were not convincing at all and you know I was <laughs> they started to become comedic at times like there's one scene where Sarah is rips dale's mouth off she rips dale's jaw off and margo is screaming right but she's like screaming and her body's jerking at the same time and it just it just looks hella funny it looks weird it looks funny and i thought that dale was supposed to be the comedic relief but it, you know between her screams and then dale's little quips throughout the movie it kind of felt like they were in competition to be the comedic relief you know, everyone else, they were kind of just there. Uh, the acting wasn't horrible. It wasn't great, but, it, you know, it wasn't horrible. It was it was doable. Uh, how they told the story was pretty interesting. It deviates from the previous movies while somewhat keeping the same formula. So in the previous movies, you had the midwives trying to help the demon possess a child while the cults in this movie. And we'll we'll just call them the Baileys because I don't remember them referring referring to them as a like actual name or uh you know i didn't i don't think they gave the group a name they were trying to keep the demon contained in a vessel of a woman that woman was sarah margot's mother and margot was supposed to be up next so they don't really explain uh th th there's a part where they they talk about what is going on and why they have to um keep this demon at bay they don't really go into detail as far as how sarah was the chosen one 
unless I'm I, I, unless I missed it, but I don't remember hearing about how she became the actual person or her bloodline was chosen to harbor this demon, you know, so it not it's not unleashed upon the world. And I thought it was kind of cool how they did that because, you know, in paranormal activity in the paranormal act in the movie in the paranormal activities before they were the bad guys. The cult were or the midwives, the witches coven were the bad guys. And in this one, you think that the cult are the bad guys. You think that they have some kind of secret that they're hiding from Margot and her crew. When in reality they're the good guys. They're trying to keep the world safe. They're trying to keep the the new demon, Asmodeus, at bay so the world doesn't end up being destroyed in this chaos. So throughout the movie there are small hints um that was kind of like leading up to letting us know what is really going on here. First Margot finds a letter from her mom. Well she finds a stash of letters written by her mom and, and one of them mentioned how they won't get her baby. So now she's like, What what do you mean? This is why you this is why you I was giving up because somebody something was after me. And this kind of gave us the notion that there's a code involved because, you know, from the previous movies, the whole thing was about a demon getting a boy. So that was the whole, you know, demon wanted to possess a boy. So when we find that letter, I think it was like 30 minutes in, we find that letter and it puts it puts a thought in your head that says, okay, something is supposed to possess her or take over her body. Right. And it makes you feel like, okay, they're just going to follow the same. They're going to do the same thing they've been doing, you know, with the previous movies where there's a cult, there's a person and there's some kind of plague. But they went completely left with this one and did like a rope a dope. So the second hint was there's a two headed goat being born and that's just as a plague. Or there's something going on with this land, which actually this reminded me of this particular scene reminded me of. Have you ever seen uh, the Apostle on Netflix? So it, it, the pretty much that movie was about there was this land. There was a God and the land was being plagued. Uh, the land was being plagued by the God. And she was pissed. They had her like captured and shit. But that's what this remind me of. Like the plague, people going crazy. It kind of remind me of of Apostle. Then you have the instances where the children and old people were kind of acting weird. So the children and the elderly, they're acting weird. And you're like, okay, what is going on with them? Eventually, Chris and Margo, they break into the church. They kind of uh, give a distraction to Samuel, break into a church, and then they find these paintings that kind of tell a story. So you have um, there's a plague. Then there's something that has to do with the elderly and the young ones going crazy or acting weird. And then you have all out chaos and behind all of it is this demon named Asmodeus right so we're like yo what is going on here they ended up going down this hole 
and they hear growling. They don't get to the bottom of the hole. They just hear like a weird growling sound. Eventually, Dale and Chris go into an auto parts store. They grab a battery to, to grab a battery because their car battery died. And they look up the information about the paintings that they found. And they found out that this whole thing, these people are Amish. They are actually a cult that are, is trying to keep this demon at bay. And Margot is next up to bat. <laughs> of course, they don't believe it. They think it's something wild. And the first thing they do is head back to try to save her. And, you know, unfortunately, the cult failed at the job. And uh, this prince of demons got out. And he was ready to party. Now, as enticing as the plot of the story sounds, the movie itself was, uh, you know, it was, it was meh. It wasn't, it was, it was okay. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't something it like, it wouldn't be something that I would tell people that they need to go see. I mean, unless you watch the paranormal activities, um, I, I wouldn't say like, this is something that you need to go watch unless you've already watched the paranormal activities. Now, uh, I did, I was reading something that Asmodeus was supposed to be, toby from the first one i don't know how true that is uh it was it was saying something that like um he goes by many names and toby was one of them or tobit was one of them so people i guess there are people trying to connect the two which i don't really understand that because like i said toby became a real boy back in ghost dimensions so this demon ended up possessing Sam in the end of this movie. So I wonder if Sam and Toby are going to end up meeting up or if they're going to do some like uh wrap around situation cuz you know the paranormal activity movies were hella convoluted. There's a lot of time travel and wormholes. So maybe they might do something to where they are the same demon. I would honestly like to see them kind of meet up. Like, I think that'll be dope, but I guess we'll have to wait and see for eight because, you know, there's another one coming. But back on the topic, um, all the action happens within the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie, which is expected in the Paranormal Activity movie. You kind of coast throughout the movie as the story builds with like minor spikes of excitement. And then the big drop happens towards the end where everything unravels and you're hit with like this rush. There are a lot of a lot of small things in the movie that sort of ruined it for me, though. Like, for example, it suffered from over exaggerated jump scares. And when I mean, listen, there were a lot of jump scares and the jump scares that were jump scares weren't even jump scares. <laughs> like, let me explain. So most of the jump scares felt like very misplaced and forced as fuck. And if like for it to be a found footage documentary style, it felt like somebody went back and like edited the whole movie. There was a scene in the beginning where Margot, Chris, and Dale, Margot, Chris, Dale, and Sam, they get to the hotel. They hear some shuffling in the background or in the bathroom. Chris slowly turns the doorknob and then forcefully swings the door open. Right, so. Swings the door open. Okay. They don't see anything. So he moves to the shower curtain. 
slam the shower curtain open. So Margo's like, oh, okay, nothing's in here. She starts to talk, and there's an open window behind her, and this little boy from the village named Eli pops up. Now, when he pops up from outside, so he's outside the house, he's outside the bathroom window, and he pops up. And this is big. Like, it's like this really loud screech that happens. And this is kind of like, why? Why was that? Why was that there? And, you know, this happens t- numerous times throughout the movie. And I'm just like, okay. I'm, and every time it happened, it's like, why, why are, are these loud screeching noises over these parts? And it just it didn't make any sense to me. There was a part where they were in um, the barn. And there was a hole in the roof of the barn. And I guess she almost stepped in it. And so... While they're up there talking, she's walking backwards, and then Sam grabs her really fast and says, "Oh, you almost, f- ba- you know, you almost fell into this hole." And then when he grabs her, another loud screech happens, and it's just like, "Why are these? Why are these supposed? Why are these the jump scares? Like, why won't you actually make jump scares like legit jump scares?" That was like that was really frustrating. And then uh, the slow motion parts, so. Remember, remember when I was saying slow, uh, Chris was showing the village kids how slow motion works. Well, towards the end of the movie, when Sarah escapes from under the church, she climbs out of the hole that they went down into. Right. Before, as she climbs out, the camera grows into slow motion. There's a second scene where she rips Dale's jaw off and then it also turns into slow motion. And then by, by this point, I'm thinking like, okay. This is supposed to be a documentary, right? This is happening in that time. How is Chris slowing down this footage while running away from this person? Like, or running away from, from this demon? And it just, it was really hard to stay in the moment when, while, these, while this was happening. And it took me completely out of the experience of this feeling or viewing this as a found footage or documentary style movie. Oh, oh yeah. And I got to mention the part where sword. Okay. So (laughs) with also with this being a documentary style shot film, there's a part where Sarah is walking towards Margo and we're looking from Sarah's point of view. And why was that shot in the movie? Why was that shot in the movie? Did somebody give her a GoPro? Because I don't remember them giving her a GoPro and telling her to capture the shot. Like, we're viewing, we're looking at Margot from Sarah's point of view. So, <laughs> you know, I just, like I said. Um, and then lastly, there's a scene where Margot and Sarah are standing face to face. And it shows us two angles. It shows us one from the side of Margot looking at Sarah. And then one from the side of Sarah looking at Margo. Neither person has a camera. Or Margo doesn't have a GoPro on her shoulder or a camera in her hand. Sarah doesn't have a GoPro on her shoulder. And I'm just, you know, I just didn't understand. Neither of them, hold, or neither of them are holding a camera. But they are showing us these angles. And yes, the camera angle stuff might just be nit, might be nitpicky. But I had to point it out 
because it is you know this is paranormal activity it blew up off of the found footage style of filming even though Mexican isn't like the previous movies with the majority of them being with the majority of them having cameras set up around the house to capture multiple angles this was supposed to be a shot in a documentary style from the get so there shouldn't be any angles shown that aren't attainable without someone actually holding the camera you know and i get it they have to make i understand that they have to make uh they have to have plot holes in this movie for it to progress because you know if but i don't think that should be an excuse chris could have dropped this camera or something i mean they don't put the cameras down in these movies like <laughs> the cameras don't leave the characters hands in these movies chris could have like dropped the camera and then could have showed us from the side you know those angles it's just small things like that was just kind of like mm, you know i just i didn't enjoy it. It, it it just made me hard it made it hard for me to enjoy it i mean other than that the story itself what they told it definitely sets up for more stories to tell and i think that the paranormal activity name isn't going nowhere there's there's way too many i feel like there's way too many movies that they can come out with potentially i hope that they the next one or the next set of movies that they film do kind of get away from uh i guess cult and and witches witches covens i i hope they will do something else something different give us give us a new well i guess you know what i guess this is new i mean they're trying to keep they were trying to keep a demon at bay so i guess instead of releasing him onto the world so i guess this is new this is a new story but overall all of this is just my opinion and it doesn't really matter what matters is what you thought about the movie how it made you feel and i would like to know that follow me on twitter at horrorfixins that's h-o-r-r-f-i-x-i-n-s and search me up on youtube or <laughs> or look me up on youtube search for horrorfixins or you can click the comment or click the link below and until next time, this has been your fix. Take it easy.